0: Well, beloved listeners, we learn about academic research through its publications in specialised journals, peer-reviewed, made widely available to anyone who's interested, but at a cost. And it's the rising cost of subscribing to these journals, the lifeblood of academic research, that's led to a a strange relationship between the commercial publishing houses and the universities and their researchers. It's a system... Well, it's been in operation for a long time, but now there are moves to move, well, to fundamentally change it and move towards open access scholarship. To discuss what's involved and what the issues are, I'm joined by Martin Borshett. He's the University of New South Wales librarian, and he's also a member of a number of peak bodies, including the Council of Australian University Libraries and the Australasian Open Access Strategy Group. Martin, welcome to our little program. Hello, thank you. The peak bodies you're a member of advocate open access. Why the need for change?
1: Mm. So uh, the open access movement has been happening for quite a long time now. It's been a bit of a slow burn, but it's rising. What's happening is that there's a tension between the needs of research institutions such as universities and what's happening in the publishing business. So universities, they uh, do research and they want their research to be made available as widely as possible. And that's so that researchers can access all of that research and that they can build upon it and so that it will also increase uh, the rate of research. On the other side, we have publishers, um, which are there to make a profit on the whole. And there's a wide variety also of models in the publishing industry, but most of them are there to make a profit. And what they do is they want to uh, take the, the research- I'm sorry to interrupt. Do any of them actually achieve
0: that objective? Do they make profits? Uh,
1: yes, many of them make very, very large profits. Uh, Others, though, are there not to make profit, but on the whole, though, they are commercial entities which report to um, the investors. How much research is currently open freely? Uh, Over 15 to 20 years, we've gone from a model where everything has been closed access, which means you need to pay, to about a third of the research outputs across the world are open access now.
0: What are the current costs to Australian universities who who pay um, subscription fees to journals? What's the the quantum, do you think?
1: It's interesting. Um, It's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. You're kidding, really? Mm. It is in the hundreds of millions. And it's interesting that the researchers and the universities are creating this research and then they publish it through the publishers and then they buy access to their research back.
0: I mean, that's a staggering amount of
1: money, isn't it?
0: The issue of making research more widely available has, as you were telling me off air, been simmering for decades.
1: It has. There's been a lot of interest in it growing. Um, I think growth in the methods of open access has changed. There are more models now used to be that you published in closed access and your main option was to put an open version into a repository. But now you can publish into a journal which is open access and that's a growing model. I understand that uh,
0: earlier this year, the University of California took a bold
1: step. They did. Uh, So they've been... uh, So they've been having a negotiation with Elsevier, which is one of the largest or the largest group. And at the moment, um, they haven't reached agreement, so they're not subscribing.
0: So they've cancelled their subs to strengthen negotiations, in effect.
1: That would be the effect. There are also some other countries around the world, especially in Europe, which have taken a similar stance.
0: Oh, okay. This takes us to so-called Plan S
1: So this is a concerted effort in Europe, which is a joint effort amongst us and funders of research and research institutions uh, to take a stand. They, uh, in Plan S, are proposing that all publicly funded research uh, in Europe is made immediately open access from the start of 2020. What about China? Uh, China has made some statements that they are considering Plan S and that they're favourable to it. And, of course, China
0: now has a massive number of universities. They seem to build one a week.
1: There's a huge growth in Chinese research outputs, and it's actually similar um, now in output size to the United States.
0: And the response from the publishing houses?
1: Well, there are hundreds of publishers, so there are every business model and every variation of response. There are some publishers which are already open, or that they have open access outlets. And some publishers, though, have taken a stance that they won't negotiate. What's really wanted with our Plan S is, is to move from a read-only contract, which means that only certain people who have access to subscriptions to read, and move that into a publish-and-read model, which means that you pay to publish and that everyone can read. Martin, as you know,
0: late night live is open access. We went we chose that model some time That's ago. Fantastic. It works. <laughs> okay. What about researchers who want to publish in, in a posh publication? Will open access journals have less status than top-tier journals?
1: What we're seeing really is a transition from read only to publish and read. And then we may transition across like to publish models. I think we're seeing growth of open access journals and also the quality of papers going into the journals is increasing. I would like to say that we should really be celebrating, I think, the quality of the research and the authors or the researchers and not the journals.
0: We really need an international movement, don't we? It
1: should be global if it's going to work. It looks like Plan S is really developing into that global movement that we need. It will really make a difference to who can access the world's research. If you think about it, um, it's really only people in universities and some research institutions that can access all this research material. And that's only a small number relatively of the total population of the world. So it's a very, I really think it's going to be an important um, issue. I want you to put on your other hat as uh, with your
0: involvement in the Council of Australian Librarians. What are you pushing for exactly?
1: We're thinking as a group um, about what our stance will be working with publishers with our renewals to subscriptions at the moment. Often, Um, Often the agreements are multi-year and so opportunities for negotiation come up at different times. We've also been promoting and advocating open access to uh, the researchers in our universities and we have a lot of conversations with publishers about the way forward. Well,
0: look, thank you for that, Martin. Martin Borscher, University of New South Wales Librarian and Martin is also the Chair of the Executive Australasian Open Access Strategy Group, otherwise the AOASG, and is member of the Council of Australian University Librarians.